0: Friends, today we're going to be going over Psalms chapter 3. As always, before we get into this word, let us go ahead and pray over the word that we will receive. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the day that you've given us. Thank you for the people in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for all the blessings that you continuously pour down in our lives. Lord, we pray for the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to really grasp the word that we're about to receive. To be able to put it to work into our own lives and to be able to share this with whoever needs to hear it. Help us, Lord, to bear the fruits of your Spirit in all that we do and allow us to be a beacon of light for your love, kindness, grace, and mercy. Holy Spirit, be breathed into us today and allow us to walk in your guidance in each and every step that we take. Help us to have your discernment in all things and help us to understand the truth behind the message we will receive today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this chapter is called, A Psalm of David, When He Fled from His Son Absalom. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me May your blessing be on your people. So that is the end of this chapter. It's another short chapter, so I'm going to go ahead and read the commentary behind this. So Psalm 3 is the first psalm with a title. A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. James Montgomery Boyce points out, that since these titles are in the canonical text of the Hebrew Bible, they are to be taken with absolute seriousness throughout. The events are recorded in 2 Samuel 15-18. through 18. But the heart of David at that difficult time is recorded in this psalm. So the first section, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Selah. So because I was reading from the NIV version, it didn't say Selah at the end of it. But I think that it needs to be there. So this part, how they increased who trouble me. At the writing of this psalm, David was in a great deal of trouble. His own son led what seemed to be a successful rebellion against him. Many of his previous friends and associates forsook him and joined the ranks of those who troubled him. There is no help for him in God. David's situation was so bad that many felt he was beyond God's help. Those who said this probably didn't feel that God was unable to help David. They probably felt that God was unwilling to help him. They looked at David's past sin and figured this is all what he deserves from God. There is no help from him in God. Shimei was an example of someone who said that God was against David and he was just getting what he deserved. We see that in 2 Samuel chapter 16 verses 7 and 8. This thought was the most painful of all for David, the thought that God might be against him and that there is no help for him in God. If all the trials which come from heaven, all the temptations which ascend from hell, and all the crosses which rise from the earth could be mixed and pressed together, they would not make a trial so terrible as that which is contained in this verse. It is the most bitter of all afflictions to be led to fear that there is no help for us in God and that's coming from Spurgeon. Then it says "sela." The idea in the Hebrew for this word occurring 74 times in the Old Testament is for a pause. Most people think it speaks of a reflective pause, a pause to meditate on the words just spoken. It may also be a musical instruction for a musical interlude of some kind. This next section But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Selah. You, O Lord, are a shield for me. Though many said there was no help for him in God, David knew that God was his shield. Others, even many others, couldn't shake David's confidence in a God of love and help. Under attack from a cunning and ruthless enemy, David needed a shield. He knew that God was his shield. This wasn't a prayer asking God to fulfill this. This is a strong declaration of fact. You, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. God was more than David's protection. He also was the one who put David on higher ground, lifting his head and showing him glory. There was nothing glorious or headlifting in David's circumstances, but there was in his God. Men find glory in all sorts of things, fame, power, prestige, and possessions. David found his glory in the Lord. O oh, my soul, hast thou made God thy glory? Others boast in their wealth, beauty, position achievement. Dost thou find in God what they find in these? And that's from Meyer. I cried to the Lord with my voice. Surely silent prayers are heard. Yes, but good men often find that, even in secret, they pray better aloud than they do when they utter no vocal sound. That coming from Spurgeon as well. He heard me from his holy hill. Others said that God wanted nothing to do with David, but he could gloriously say he heard me. Though Absalom took over Jerusalem and forced David out of the capital, David knew that it wasn't Absalom enthroned on God's holy hill. The Lord himself still held that ground and would hear and help David from his holy hill. In this next section... I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. I lay down and slept. I awoke. David used both of these as evidence of God's blessing. Sleep was a blessing because David was under such intense pressure from the circumstances of Absalom's rebellion. That sleep might be impossible, but he slept. Waking was another blessing, because many wondered if David would live to see a new day. Truly, it must have been a soft pillow indeed, that could make him forget his danger, who then had such a disloyal army at his back hunting of him. Gurnall cited in Spurgeon. God sustains us in our sleep, but we take it for granted. Think of it. You are asleep, unconscious, dead to the world, yet you breathe. Your heart pumps. Your organs operate. The same God who sustains us in our sleep will sustain us in our difficulties. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people. With God sustaining him, David could stand against any foe. Before it was written, David knew the truth of Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can be against us?" And then this next section. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Selah. Arise, O Lord, for you have struck all my enemies. David's mind was on both what he trusted God to do, Save me, O my God, and on what God had done, Struck all my enemies, broken the teeth of the ungodly. Knowing what God had done gives David confidence in what the Lord would do. Arise, O Lord. This recalled the words of Numbers 10.35, where Moses used the phrase, As the children of Israel broke camp, in the wilderness. It was a military phrase calling on God to go forth to both defend Israel and lead them to victory. Broken the teeth of the ungodly. This vivid metaphor is also used in Psalm 58 verse 6. It speaks of the total domination and defeat of the enemy. David looked for protection in this psalm, but more than protection, he looked for victory It wasn't enough for David to survive the threat to the kingdom. He had to be victorious over the threat, and he would be with the blessing of God. Salvation belongs to the Lord. David understood that salvation, both in the ultimate and immediate sense, was God's property. It isn't the property of any one nation or sect, but of the Lord God. To be saved, one must deal with the Lord himself. Your blessing is upon your people. This showed David's heart in a time of personal calamity. He wasn't only concerned with God's hand on himself, but upon all God's people. He didn't pray for preservation and victory in the trial of Absalom just for his own sake, but because it was best for the nation. So that is the end of the commentary on Enduring Word. And again, I will post the article in the description so you guys can look at it for yourself. Enduring Word definitely has a lot of good commentary that I love to read because it helps me get so much closer to what the meaning behind these verses really is. So with David, I think it's just so amazing how much hope and faith he has in god because he's sitting here in a place of just hurt and destruction and running and fearing for his life but he knows that god is going to pull him out of it and with the disciples that jesus had beside him they literally had god at their side and they couldn't even walk on water. They couldn't even understand how to feed all these people. But David didn't have God in front of him in person. Yet he still felt so close to God. And he still had so much faith that God would pull him through every situation. I struggle really hard with this myself. And I'm working on it. I'm praying For God to actually help me overcome my anxiety and my fear because I know that it's not of God. And sometimes it makes me question my faith, but at the end of the day I understand that that's just an attack of the enemy and that I need to cast out those thoughts because they're not of God. David is definitely not a role model, but his faith is a goal That I would like to see in myself. I hope that you guys enjoyed this passage. And that you got something out of it. I hope that you all have a great day. And that is all the time that I have. So till next time.